Hey everybody, welcome back to the Scene Steelers podcast. We've taken a little time off. This is Trevin McGee with uh, Eric Moline. And uh, yeah, we're here to talk about a few movies this week. Mainly win-win though. Mainly win-win, yeah. We're going to catch up on some things in the last couple of weeks that we didn't bother podcasting because honestly it's that kind of, that's time of year right before There's, summer. Yeah, it's, it's just right before the plateau, or I mean it's just, it's the flat part of the plateau before we go to the next summer level of crazy movie that not much is going on they're trying to get the dregs out of the way and starting <laughs> starting first week of may it's thor and then after that you know the rest of the the rest of the summer is the dregs for. of summer yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have to deal with the dregs of summer well if you if you know anything about win-win um uh you know that this is one of those movies that's slowly making its way across the country it's it's a very small film it was shot for a low budget uh, it's it stars Paul Giamatti mm-hmm. uh, playing uh, kind of that everyday schlub that he does so well. Yeah. Um, Amy Ryan, who is uh, now on The Office and got an Oscar nomination for Gone Baby Gone, plays uh, his wife. I'll always know her as BB Ruffle from The Wire. Yeah. Yeah. And um, this is a movie that was directed by Tom McCarthy, who's got a pretty great track record yeah. as a writer director. He did um, The Station Agent with. Um, Oh gosh, what's this? Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage, yes, yep. and, and Bobby uh, Cannavale, who's also in this movie. Yeah, and then what's uh, what was his second? The Visitor. Yeah, Richard Jenkins. That's right. Yeah, um, which was uh, a really great movie. Jenkins. Very, I, yeah. You know, quick aside on I I love Richard Jenkins, man. Yeah. He's just one of those actors that shows up, and he never he always makes a movie better. Like I I just caught uh, Burn After Reading. Um, oh, yeah. Over the weekend, yeah, I, I hadn't seen it in a long time. I forgot he's in it, and he's got such a small role to play in that movie. But he's one of the few characters that you just there's like there's two scenes you remember from that movie, and the first scene is the scene in the closet with Brad Pitt, and then the second scene is um, Richard Jenkins in that basement when he's confronted by John Malkovich. It's a great scene. Yeah. So so Jenkins uh, is a really good example, and Dinklage as well. These are. Uh, actors who you've seen in supporting roles but haven't really come forward and carried a movie until now. And and obviously Giamatti's carried uh, a couple films and is more of a, uh, you know, since Sideways, more of a um, lead actor. Uh, yeah. But, you know, technically McCarthy takes these kind of... Um, these great actors and in, in, in these bit bit roles. Sort and, of and unsung them, actors. Right, puts right. Them, gives, them a, gives them their own little... Spotlight. So, so whether you think uh, or not that Giamatti is a big star right now, the fact of the matter is he doesn't carry uh, films very often. Uh, then we could use that same argument for McCarthy to talk about this kid who's in the movie, uh, who um, plays a, a wrestler mm-hmm. who comes to. He's a high school kid. Right? He's a high school kid, okay. uh, an actual wrestler. Okay. They they put a lot of real wrestlers, high school wrestlers, in this movie, and he comes to um, town and basically ends up living with uh, with Giamatti's family. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just a really great example of, of the little miracles that Tom McCarthy can pull off. I'm not going to say that this film is as strong as The Visitor or yeah. The Station Agent. Okay. But it is, it is a, a moving picture. Um, I, I, and I don't mean that it's a movie. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a talkie. Is it a talkie? It's a talkie. Yeah. Um, but, 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 you know, he, he, what McCarthy does is he, he, he takes characters 
uh, who are, are difficult characters, still likable, and then gives them you know some sort of moral situation that they have yeah. to grapple with. And basically, you identify with Giamatti. You feel sorry for him. He makes a bad decision at the beginning of the film, mm-hmm. and uh, you're just waiting for it to catch up with him because his life starts to look better after he after he makes this decision. And uh, it's in, in that respect, I guess you could say it's a pretty formulaic film because uh, you know as soon as it happens that this is going to come back and haunt him, and and he's going to learn a lesson from it. Um, but I think what what makes the movie work so well is this authentic feeling, right? Bobby Cannavale and, and Giamatti are, are actors who can really make you feel like, you know... Oh, and, and also Jeffrey Tambor. Oh, he's in he's, it? Yeah, they're all three. They're, assist, they're coaches of the wrestling team. And he's it's another a, guy. He's and another guy that just pops up yeah. in everything and is great every time. And, and everybody's, uh, you know, pretty mellow in it. Um, I think it's a, a really good character piece. As far as uh, a great piece of writing on McCarthy's part... Uh, I wouldn't go that far. I think that the um, the high school kid really sells it, and yeah. and God bless America. I don't know his name right now. Yeah. <laughs> We're not looking at the internet, so I can't say it. But he's very down downplayed. Yeah, right. He's his character is a kid who internalizes everything, and then explodes when confronted every now and then. So he's perfect in this movie. I was talking to Alan, who's who was on our last Alan podcast, Rapp. Alan Rapp, and he didn't like the movie as much as I did, and he said he thought that the kid was too. Mellow, and I'm like, man, that is perfect. This the, the kid like that who internalizes everything, right? Absolutely perfect. Um, so, and doesn't he come from like a broken home or some sort of? Absolutely, yeah. So yeah. that that actually is a common trait for people from that situation. Yeah, I I say Win Win's one of the better uh, independent films I've seen recently. Yeah, you know, I know since you were the end of the super year, so. excited about it before it uh, came out. I know you were you were predicting that it was really going to uh, go some places. It had a lot of buzz at Sundance, but I'm yeah. going to say that um, I think it's 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 going to be here for a little while, and then it'll be gone. It's not going to make a return come Oscar season. It's just not showy enough. Yeah, and it's um, right now it's at Liberty Hall. Is that correct? Yep. Okay, cool. So that's win-win. The rest of the stuff we have to talk about has already been out for, <laughs> for a week at least, basically. Yeah. Uh, again, you know, it's been a dry season. We're just kind of holding off until the uh, summer marathon where we'll hit one of these every week. But... Uh, you caught Scream 4 <clears throat> last week. I did. I wasn't fortunate enough, or I was lucky enough to not be able to go, depending on how you look at it. Tell us a bit about Scream 4. Well, this is this is the deal with the Scream movies, is everybody knows they are deconstructions of the horror Yeah, films. they're self-aware, and yeah, there's, there's a winking sort of, we, this is a horror movie, you're watching a horror movie, and... Um, you know, to go with it, that's what made the first one so appealing was that they acknowledged all these sort of horror movie tropes. I mean, you had a main character saying, like, these are the rules of a horror movie, and then those were followed, or or they were sort of turned on their side, but still at the end, um, the, they didn't deviate too far from the horror movie rules. So it was kind of a send-up and um, a very interesting kind of pop culture genre study, if I could call it that? Well, you know, I mean, people were becoming more aware of, of movies with, with DVDs and home video being as popular as it was. People were starting to be smarter about, you know, uh, genres and things like that. And so yeah. I think it was very perfect for its time and, and very clever, I think, in, in that respect. And, and especially for a genre that people usually look down on and don't find yeah. very clever. Um, but here's the problem, right? They've made three of those movies. They took a, a, an 11-year break or whatever, and now right. they're back with another one, and it's another movie where they talk about the rules, yeah. everybody's self-aware, 
the problem is is that we've seen it so many times that it kind of fails to become they, they go really really far with it yeah there's this opening that, that that people have been talking about a lot that just goes really far with it but it just feels like after a while you're talking about the super meta movie inside a movie inside a movie thing I'm gonna spoil it because it's already been out <laughs> okay okay yeah that's what I'm talking about so, okay. it's, yeah and 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 you know it's it's what it is. I feel like the the people who like the Scream movies are going to like this because they're, they're getting exactly what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you I, think there's any element of it that is trying to play on the recent um, rise in just just the remake syndrome that's going on in Hollywood right now? I mean, is it basically is four basically a remake of one? And is that maybe some sort of like no, winking nod they're trying to the, make? What they do is they they make fun of the Saw movies, oh. and so as they're going that's through the cheap. meta thing, uh, they talk about Stab Seven. Uh. So the Stab Stab series that that uh, that is that has sprung up since the first yeah, screen in the screen universe. That's the movie version of the events inside the screen. Right, and they've you. and they've gotten to the point where Stab Seven has come out, and so everybody's making jokes about sequels and blah blah blah. Um, but you know, I mean, there are some nice, clever twists in the movie, and and uh, there's a couple a couple moments that I thought they could have gone somewhere uh, more interesting with. Like, uh, there's a guy who has a webcam who's recording his entire life and broadcasting live on the internet, and I thought, wow, that's a great opportunity to do something interesting with horror, and and that goes nowhere. And then there's a uh, um, you know, a whole bit with uh, Courtney Cox, who sets up four four cameras uh, in an area that is completely ridiculous at this party that's completely <laughs> ridiculous, and I won't even go into it, but um, parties like that don't exist. And and um, there's, there's a moment where you can see what's happening on all four cameras. Mm. Um, and then there's also one great moment in a parking garage with Allison Brie from Community and, uh, and Mad Men that's that. actually scary. But besides those moments... This movie's completely phoned in uh, by everybody in the cast, save for maybe uh, Hayden Panettiere from from uh, Heroes, whose name I probably just butchered. That's fine. Um, But she was actually really effective and believable. And what happens is you've got Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, and Mm -hmm. David Arquette, and they're back, and they're going through the motions. They're not believable at all. And, hey, that's fine. It's a deconstruction, right? But something has to hold your attention if the deconstruction itself has already gotten old. And so... When that doesn't happen, and then it, they, the, the body count just gets to an enormous degree, and half of them are not even remotely interesting, you're, you're faced with the end of the film, and the movie will be made or broken by the ending, mm-hmm. and it's broken completely. The ending is not pulled off by the lead uh, actor-slash-actress, who I'm not going to reveal who the killer-slash-killers were, but... Uh, so you're saying there's more than one kill? There has been more than one in the past, so I'm not going to reveal whether okay. there's more than one this time. Okay. Uh, but it didn't work, and it was embarrassing, honestly. <laughs> it was it was uh, some of the worst acting I'd seen in the film. Uh, thank God it had a great closing line uh, by one of the characters at the end. So it ended on a fun note. But overall, Scream, is, Scream 4 is just not something... I would recommend yeah. uh, if you if you're a big Scream fan, you're you're gonna enjoy being back again and trying to second guess all the the goings on and following the red herrings yeah. and everything. But it's just not enough to hold. Well, it's interesting. Together. I mean, we like, uh, kill it completely. This, yeah. this series. Yeah. I think. Then the only other one we have left to talk about is Hannah. Yes, an and, unexpected hit. Yeah. Like yeah. when this movie. Scream, by the was, way, tanked its first week out box office. It, it didn't get number one. What I, was it? It's been animated movies all month. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was it's like been Rio, Rio and Hop. Or Hop. 
Yeah, yeah. real and hop. Hop's what got, I knew it was a Russell Brand thing, but I didn't think it was Arthur. Yeah, but hop, hop destroyed it. So, but here's the thing, right? Hannah is a movie that I looked at and I saw uh, Saoirse Ronan, uh-huh. who is the star of The Lovely Bones and Atonement. Uh, and then I see Eric Bana, and I see Kate Blanchett. Yeah. And I don't see an actor who can actually draw uh, in a, a mainstream crowd for an action movie. And essentially, right. that's what Hannah is. It's an action movie. You can call it a drama. Yeah. But you you are really selling short the fact that every almost every sequence in this movie is building up to a major action scene. I like uh, the sound of that. Yeah. And if it's not, uh, then it's it's one of those uh, breaks like in the classic action movies where you'd see where, where the audience needs to laugh a little bit. Yeah, there's yeah. a nice John amount. Ma- John McClane bullshitting on the radio before. Yeah. There's, there's a nice amount of, of balance, I think, in this movie. It's directed by Joe Wright, who did Atonement and... Um, Pride and Prejudice, yeah, I think the Keira Knightley one. Awesome that he's he did a movie like this. Yeah, those two. and it's very stylish. It's it's over the top stylish. So uh, when you're watching it and the, the pounding Chemical Brothers score oh, is cool. happening, yeah, uh, and all of a sudden there's a, there's almost like strobe lights for no reason, <laughs> and but it's not stylish in a way like when you go see a Blade movie and everybody's trying to look cool, yeah, and you're just like these dudes look ridiculous and they're leather and I can't tell what's happening. It's stylish in a really individualistic way. Are you sure and you're watching Blade? You may have actually just been watching, like, a... Like Underworld? Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of a leather fetish video, but yeah, that yeah. too. Well, you know, and, and so here's ones. the deal with Hannah, is I really thought, because of the pedigree of the director, uh, yeah. two big Oscar-nominated films before this, that this was going to be a movie that engaged on the level of who is this little girl, this, this 16-year-old girl who's raised by her father, Eric Bana, to be an assassin, and, and what's the morality of that? Has he done a, a good thing? Has he done a bad thing? How has that affected her? And it doesn't really go into that so much as we see the world through her eyes. Hmm. So as she goes out into the world and has to deal with the things that are that are like cars, right? Yeah. I mean, because yeah, she's secluded on some in a like, cabin in Finland, yeah, yeah, out in the middle of nowhere. So those those that that provides some humor and it provides a little bit of, of drama, like but, Crocodile Dundee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she's got a big knife, um, but but so here's what I'm. I guess what I'm trying to say is that this is not some major layered dramatic work right. this is a, a kind of a fun movie mm-hmm. and it knows that it's having fun with itself some of the uh, villains in the movie reminded me of somebody that would be straight out of a coen brothers film oh really know? yeah so there's actually quite a bit of absurdist humor in it and kate blanchett is way over the top in fact yeah. i don't even know if she was supposed to be doing a southern accent or if her character was a european doing a southern accent because her name was not uh, Southern at all, yeah. American at all. So it's it's a difficult movie to categorize, and I know that some critics are very sharply divided on it because they don't think they've measured up to yeah. what they expected out of a drama. But as far as a, an interesting, uh, individualistic action movie, I think it works great. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So I've wanted to see it, and I just haven't had a chance. But everyone that I know who has seen it, you know, has has had basically the same kind of positive response. And I don't read very many reviews, believe it or not, but the ones that I, I have read have been positive for the most part. So Yeah, it's 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 a strange little movie and, and cool. it's nice to see that people are um it's coming out in this time when there's not a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. So I hope it continues to get Attention! I think it's at number three or four right now mm-hmm. at the box office, and I'd like to. It's been up for three weeks, hasn't it? For two, two. Yeah. yeah. But if people continue to see it, you know, that'd be that'd be really cool. But um, you know, it's not a, a major work or anything. I just thought it was different enough and a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, the countdown's begun. We've got one last weekend 
in, or actually no, the, we've got one more Saturday in April, and then it's officially May movie time. Yeah. So, yeah. May first is next Sunday, and uh, then after that it's Thor. Yeah. So Fast Five is next week. Fast Five, which you haven't seen any of them. I saw the Fast and the Furious, which was technically the I guess the last one, the pre four. Okay. Yeah. Number four, and my my. Uh, Hopes are very low for yeah. this movie. Well, my brother's hilarious. He said something to me the other day. He said, yeah, well, you know, Fast Five is kicking off the, the summer blockbuster season this year. And I was like, that's weird, because I've always thought of it as kind of a B-movie series. Yeah, it is. Um, and he said, well, no, that's what they're saying in the ads. And I'm like, oh, well, of course they are, right? right? Fast Five, kicking off the blockbuster season. Right. You know what I mean? The one, the one, hey, credit, I'll give, the one credit I'll give the movie, or at least the, fa- the Fast and the Furious, I don't know if it's been true for the other three, but they don't use CG in their car chases. I'm looking forward to that. So I've heard good there, things about these actions. There's, this actually, there's one really great car chase um, in the movie that I, I was actually impressed by the, the trickery, the camera trickery they did. But it's a ridiculous reason. But they have to—they're running guns mm. or drugs. Or I don't know. They're running some sort of package. Then they're racing across the border. They're going between Mexico and the U.S. And they, of course, take a mountain secret passageway through a mountain. And so there's a car chase inside this mountain. I was like, what a CG? What a what a garbage CG scene. And then um, there's a best there's a behind the scenes feature that we had access to in the EPK. And I watched it. That was all real, and what they'd done was they set up just long sheets, and so the force of the engines driving by made it ripple and look like rock, but it was a fully, yeah, it was a totally realized car chase. Uh-huh. It wasn't inside a mountain, it was inside a um, hangar, but the idea that they had they'd gotten that inventive with doing that so that they couldn't, so that they would avoid using computer-generated effects for a car chase that was pretty rad so they showed they showed a preview before hannah of fast five and uh obviously i noticed that the rock was in it yeah and, and man diesel and paul walker are uh, back right yeah yeah they're back and i think actually uh don't quote me on this but i thought the kid from tokyo drift is in it too i thought this like united all of them from all the different so things like that will be lost on me i'll just be judging it for what it is you know checking yeah. it out um but there was a scene in the preview where uh, two two guys um, were jumping out of a car. Yeah. Uh, after they had gone off of a bridge. Sure. And I almost held my breath. It was so kind of spectacular. I was just like, "Oh my god!" I'm yeah. excited about this scene alone. I wish they wouldn't have shown it to me in the previews, but yeah, that's that always happens. But, yeah. You know, it's it's the calm before the storm. So this is the last week where we just get to kind of sit back and laugh at things. One little news item I read today that's funny, um, and I don't, we'll, might even just cut this. I don't know. They, uh, 3D porn debuted in, uh, Japan. Mm, of course. And, uh, yeah, largest opening box office ever. Theater porn. Beat Avatar. For what? Day, day one box office. Those perverts. Close to $3 million in its first day. In Japan. Yeah. Well, at least Cameron's av- Avatar was like 2.6 or something like that. 2.6 million opened in 2009. And this is either 2.8 or closer to 3. But wow. Yeah. So, coming to a theater near you. Wow. Well, if it's anything like Barbarella, I'm down for that. Oh, no. No? Let's not go there. Okay. Sorry. No, we can, we can talk about that once I turn this off. All right. Well, that's all that's going on this week. There's not a lot. Win-win, go see it. Hannah, go see it. Scream 4, don't go see it. That's Those are my recommendations. But again, if you like the Scream movies, check it out. Check it out. Well, on that note, we're going to go. A quick podcast this week. 
You guys have a good weekend, and we will be back, if not next week, the week after with Summer Movie Insanity. Later.